Good morning, Berean. It's great to have you join us this morning. We are excited for what God is doing in our church, in our homes, in our lives. And we're just going to worship him this morning. God, I'm so thankful for your presence that's already here. And Lord, may you just inhabit the praises of our worship this morning here in this room, in our living room, in our car, wherever we're at watching, oh God, that your presence would come and inhabit us, oh God. We love you and we thank you. And everybody said, amen. Let's worship.
thankful for the love of Jesus this morning. Come on, just praise him. Lord, I thank you. Oh, I'm thankful for the love of my Jesus. Oh, yes. Oh, my fear doesn't stand a chance. Because I'm standing in love with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
beautiful song with me. When I look into your holiness, when I gaze into your loveliness, when all things that surround become shadows and light. Father, I'm thankful for your presence in this place this morning. Lord, I pray that you continue to speak to us, continue to use us, continue to change us, O oh God. Lord, again, I pray that we open our ears to hear, open our minds to understand, but more importantly, may we open our hearts to receive your word, anoint your servant this morning. We love you. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Turn to one next to you, give a fist bump or an elbow bump. Throw up some hearts, some likes, some shares, do a watch party, however you want to share it. It's great to have everybody here at Berean this morning. Why don't you check out this video? myself and pack on a burden I'm not required to carry. I want to do this in your power, your strength, because honestly, I love you. So I'm asking, how do I do this? How do I overcome my fears and reach out to my neighbor? How do I evangelize in my sphere of influence? I'm willing. I mean, if Tom needs a truck to move, he can use mine. If Cheryl's patio is falling down, I've got a bunch of tools. I'll build her a new one. I'll spring for the lumber. Or if Jack still wants to visit Aunt Betty in North Dakota, I'll buy him a ticket. I want to love them, and not just with words, but action. You say you've come to seek and to save the lost, to give them life and life to the full. And I've tasted that, so I pray for your life to be part of their life. And I pray that I could play a part of giving that. This neighborhood, this community. It's my mission field, right? But I don't know where else to begin, so I'm praying here. I want to serve you with my entire life. So here I am, Lord. Send me. 
Well, good morning, Berean. I'm going to take just a minute this morning to reminisce a little bit. It was on this Sunday, 10 years ago, that three families walked in here together. Carol and I and our family came into this new place. Uh, Pastor Nathan and Angela and their family walked in, and Pastor Justin and Crystal and their family walked in. We all walked in together on that first Sunday, and it was a really difficult time. Some of you remember how challenging that was. Pastor Bill was already here, and we relied on him a lot. Pastor Kevin uh, and Trudy were here. Pastor Bill and Deb, Pastor um, Kevin and Trudy were here and uh, helped us a lot until Kevin um, uh, rebelled and went to Convoy of Hope. Kevin, we love you. If you get to see this, we miss you. Um, but it was 10 years ago in a very difficult time, and I was thinking, this isn't how I would want to celebrate a 10-year anniversary with coronavirus. So we're also in another difficult time, and God's going to be faithful. I just want to say to all of you, thank you for letting us be part of the leadership team here for the last 10 years. And I'm just really thrilled and excited with what God has done. And so I'm saying to Brian, happy anniversary. We've enjoyed the journey so far. Well, we're in our last week of the challenge of the resurrection. And the first week was focused on that our faith is built on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. It's what makes Christianity different than any other religion is that our Messiah rose from the dead. He is alive, and we believe that and build on that. And then Matthew 28 gives us three more challenges right at the beginning of the chapter that I think are applicable to us today. We talked first about the challenge to fear not, to don't be afraid, and what a timely challenge that is from the Word of God for us right now, to not be afraid it's one thing to be cautious and careful. It's another thing to live by fear, and we're not going to walk by fear. And then to come and see that what makes Christianity different for us is it's experiential. It's not something you read about. It's not something you get a degree in, and now you're going to heaven. It's an experiential faith. Get fear out of the way so you can come see what Jesus has done. And then it culminates with this challenge from Scripture, Go Tell. Go tell. We are called upon by God if we believe in the resurrection. Fear has been put away. We've experienced the goodness of God to go and tell that to a world that needs to hear the message. The end of Matthew gives us that great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But it tells us how to do that and prepare for that in the beginning of chapter 8. And I think chapter 28 verse 7 captures a paradigm for evangelism. So we're going to settle down into verse 7 this morning instead of the 58 verses, Pastor Matthew, of the resurrection chapter. We're going to settle down into the 7th verse of chapter 28 of Matthew. What's the first principle of being prepared for evangelism? That's simply this. We need to proclaim his promises. Evangelism isn't about what you believe or think. It's not even about a church or joining a church or anything of that sort. It's about proclaiming the promises of God. Here's what the angel said. Go and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead. That message is relevant today. That message needs to be proclaimed today. We need to say to the world that Jesus is alive. He's risen from the dead. And we need to let it be known all over the world that Jesus is alive. Now there's a there's a qualifier in that statement that I intentionally skipped over because the angel said to the women, go quickly and tell. Now, we could talk about the natural reasons. Why is that so important to go quickly and tell? Why is that wrapped in there? Why does that matter? And rather than trying to focus on what the angel might have been referring to, I think it captures for us the heart of what it means to be evangelistic, that there's got to be an urgency. We have to work while it's day. The night's coming when no man shall work. This isn't something that can be put off till tomorrow or put into 2021 when things are easier, but we need to go quickly and tell the story. There needs to be an urgency about us. We need the fire of evangelism tended. We need it rekindled. It needs to be part of who we are, part of the substance of our being. There needs to be an urgency in the matter. I was reading a blog by a man named Chuck Lawless. Chuck Lawless 
is a professor for evangelism. And I, I don't know, I, just things strike me funny. But I thought, what a, what a name for someone that's going to preach about evangelism, lawless. Because we're going to take the gospel to the lawless ones. But in spite of that, here's what he had to say. He said, even as a professor of evangelism, I have to continually push myself to do evangelism. Now, I'm going to pause there and talk to us just for a second. I've never met a Christ follower who would say evangelism doesn't matter. I've never met one. But all of us can settle into a place that we enjoy evangelism without having the passion and burden to communicate it. We've got to rekindle that. We have to do that on purpose. So he said, for what it's worth, and frankly, as a matter of accountability, here's some steps I'm taking to move in the right direction. So what I'm going to do right now, everybody take a deep breath. Relax, shake your hands, just relax, because I'm going to give you a list of 10 things that he recommends. So don't write these down. Don't try to keep up. I want you to feel them, not examine them, all right? And if you want that entire list, if you will email us or follow up on the webpage with a comment, I will be glad to send them to you. But I wonder if there's not one or two or three of these things that you would say, God's speaking to me right now, that this is something I need to grab hold of to rekindle the fire of evangelism. These are 10 things that Chuck Lawless says that he applies to his life. Number one, to ask God daily to let me see people as he sees them. What would happen if you and I started our day that way? We looked out at the world around us. We looked at our neighbors. We looked at our friends. We looked at the businesses that are happening around us and said, God, today, let me see them the way you see them. Everything changes when you see your neighbors through the eyes of God. Number two, ask other believers to pray at least once a week that I will speak the gospel boldly and clearly. Imagine what that would do with your life. Hold up your hand at home if you have at least one friend who knows how to pray. In here, we've got staff here. How many of you have one friend that knows how to pray? And not including the staff. We should all know how to do that. But what would that do? Think about what this would do. If you said once a week, I'm going to meet with a friend on the phone digitally, and we're going to pray together for God to open doors for us to share our faith, all of a sudden that fire would be kindled. Number three. Ask God to renew my fire for him. Not just my fire of worship, but my fire of evangelism. Number four, pray by name for non-believers at least once a week. That you would take time to pray once a week for unsaved people, non-Christ followers, by name. That you would name them. A list in your Bible, on your prayer list. You call them by name, believing for Jesus to redeem them. Number five, (laughs) Strive to speak a good word about God to somebody each day. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be wonderful if um, we would take advantage to do just some good compliment or comment about God somewhere when you go to get gas? And I know in quarantine, just say it to yourself in the mirror and practice. But to try to say something good about God every day. Number six, force myself. Uh Uh-oh, you ready for this? Some of you really need to get this. Force myself to get to know people I don't know. Those of you that are introverts, see, this is easy for an extrovert. It's hard for an introvert. Here's the problem with an extrovert and evangelism. An extrovert wants to meet everybody and doesn't care what happens because meeting them is the party. An introvert wants to meet people with intentionality. It's got to have purpose. So in order to be an evangelist, to share your faith, you're going to have to begin to risk speaking to people you don't know, taking time to invest in someone, build a new circle of acquaintances. Number seven, offer to pray for others. What's wrong with doing that? People can, can, can speak their invectives against God and against the world. What's wrong with saying, I want to pray for you, or saying to someone, if you're in a restaurant when they open in our county, God asking you or asking God to put a burden on your heart and say, in a moment, we're going to ask God to bless this meal. What could we pray with you about? Just asking someone for the privilege of being able to pray for them. Number eight, commit to telling a non-believer what Jesus means to me at least once a week. We do that in staff meeting. We don't always get it done because most of our interactions with believers But asking God, this week, would you let me share with an unbeliever something about you? Number nine, use social media to tell the gospel. Now, please, please, much of what's called sharing the gospel isn't sharing the gospel. 
okay? God is not going to send me to hell because I didn't comment amen to your post. How many are hearing me? I am not going to forward your post to 100 people that Jesus loves us. That's not sharing the gospel. That's simply, it's, frankly, it's simply ridiculous that we think that God's going to work through that. But there are other comments you can make that are authentic, that are genuine, that are from your heart, and using your social media platform, your digital platform, to begin to communicate to others what you believe about Jesus. And number 10... Just be obedient because I want to please God. Do you know that's a command to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature? It's not like you have the option. Why not try being obedient? So my prayer says we went through that list of 10. Maybe there's one or two that you say, all right, I'll own that one. I'll take that one. I'm going to try to apply that because there's got to be an urgency in the presentation of the gospel. This gospel must be told. It's not enough to live it. Yes, you're supposed to live your life and let your light shine so that men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven, but that's not the end of the story. You're conning yourself. If you think you can just live evangelism, it is orally transmitted. It's got to be communicated. You have to put words with the message. It's got to be something that you say. Go quickly and tell. I was listening to a podcast this week. Pastor of a church that has grown exponentially over the last five years. It was amazing to hear his story. And he's, he's talking and he says, our job as a church is to represent Jesus to the world. And I thought, well, that's a weird way to say represent, to represent. Maybe he's from a different part of the country. And he didn't expound on that, but I began to think about that. I, I think he probably meant it that way. We need to represent Jesus to a lost and dying world. There are people who have a wrong image of who he is. They think Jesus is on a street corner sending them to hell with a placard. They think that Jesus doesn't care and is different, distant and afar off. That Jesus leads some kind of political action campaign. And it's about time in this environment, this culture of the greatest division politically that we have ever seen that we stand up and re, are you hearing me? Represent Jesus who loves them who cares for them, who will walk with them, who's not going to beat them up for their political affiliation before he brings life to them that changes them from the inside out. We've got to tell it and represent Jesus to this world. Now, I know this is a little different, and I'm probably going to hear from some of you that you don't like lists, but I have another list. And again, don't write this down. I want it to settle into you and this whole idea of urgency for the gospel and see if there's one or two of these that might resonate with you. Tom Rainer talks about why evangelism should have the highest priority in the church. Think about why evangelism needs to be put back on the front row. Number one, because Christ commanded it. His last command should be our first concern. We ought to proclaim the truth that Jesus loves this world. And it's because I believe that Christ is the only way of salvation. The bottom line is there's not many roads, not many places. There's only one way to get to heaven. How many of you believe what I'm saying? There's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. It is, I'm sorry to say this because it's not politically correct, but it's either heaven or hell. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell, and the difference is in the name and relationship with Jesus Christ. Number three, Jesus died for the world. That story needs to be told. Number four, because listen to this, churches that are not intentional about evangelism are weak in evangelism. If we don't put it on the front burner, we'll never do it. Number five, churches tend to obsess inwardly when they <laughs> fail to move outwardly. I've never seen an evangelistic church that was fighting over what was happening inside the walls. When you're not reaching outward, you become internally focused and fight over things that don't matter in the big scheme of life. There's got to be an external focus because churches become content and complacent with transfer growth. And let me talk to you for a moment. I'm really glad for people who have come from other places, moved into our community, have joined us as Christ followers, 
and have carried the burden and vision and feel like God's called them here, that is a wonderful thing because we pray for God to send workers into the harvest field. And if you've joined us and you're part of what we're doing, we're thankful for that. But that's not kingdom growth. That's worker growth. Kingdom growth is men, women, boys, and girls who are finding Jesus as their Lord and Savior for the very first time or recommitting their life to Jesus Christ. We can't be satisfied that numbers are going up if we're not engaged in winning people to Jesus. People need to come to faith in him. And because evangelistic Christians actually grow stronger as better discipled Christians, you will grow in your faith. So in this initial proclaim the gospel message, he says, go quickly. And what he doesn't say, and I understand the context of the scripture, what he doesn't say is go quickly and tell the whole world. He said, go quickly and tell the disciples. We need to remind ourselves from time to time. Hello, is anyone hearing me right now? Raise your hand at home. We need to remind, what about in here? Anybody hearing me? You got to help me here today. Um, We need to remind ourselves from time to time that what we're doing matters. That what we're doing is important. That Jesus is risen from the dead. And that means that nothing else is impossible. And when we get discouraged... I'm not in the business of the church. I'm not in the occupation of Christianity. I'm a child of God with a calling on my life. And I want disciples to know that Jesus is alive. This story matters. And we need to challenge ourselves once in a while. Reminding ourselves that it is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Go quickly and tell the disciples. Let's remind one another of the truth. And then... We need to go tell the world. If I were to ask you right now, right in this moment, tell me how to lead someone to Jesus Christ, would you be ready? You need to be. If you have an urgency, you need to have a tool belt. And in that tool belt, you need to have some methodology that you're ready to tell someone about Jesus at a moment's notice. You'll hear me often use what has been called the ABCs of salvation, to admit your need. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. The wage of sin is death. To believe that Jesus died for your sins and to confess him as Lord. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a simple presentation. Admit your need. Believe that he died for you and confess him as Lord. There are other models out there. There's the bridge with the great gulf of sin that you can't get to God because of your sin, but the cross covers it. We've talked about all kinds of methodology, but if we're going to tell the world, we need to be ready to tell the world and have a method in place. Go quickly and tell. Where's the urgency? Where's the passion? Well, when quarantine is over, when things get back to normal, I don't think there is a back to normal after this. And the gospel isn't limited to the openness of your ability to get outside the walls. We have all kinds of ways to communicate, and that urgency needs to be now. It needs to be now. Proclaim his promises. Now, I'm going to pause just for a moment here and chat with you. This is pastoral, pastoral counseling moment. I'm hearing people ask the question over and over again, is this the beginning of the end? I'm still hearing it continuously. Is this the beginning of the end? Are these the signs of the times? Is the government just getting us ready to follow in lockstep and strip away all of the freedoms of the church and lead us into into the pit of destruction. Well, if you read your scripture, we're headed to the beginning of sorrows. Jesus is going to come, catch away the church. Tribulation's going to happen. We're also being manipulated by the media. Here's an article I read yesterday. In one of the states in the U.S., they're requiring that any churches that meet register everyone that comes, turn in their name, address, phone number, and email to the government. And then there's this big deal that they don't have any right to ask that of the church. I'd agree. 
I'd agree they don't have a right. And when they step over those lines, I'll be on the front line fighting it. However, if you read the article, do you know what the next paragraph says? In small print, they're not just asking this of the church, they're asking of it all businesses that are open. You see that that's a different argument all of a sudden? Come on, help me. Do you see that's a different argument? What's happening? The devil is trying to get us all worked up over something that isn't real, so we'll miss what is real. Let me tell you what I do believe to be true. In this time of proclaiming the gospel, here's what I believe to be true. Matthew says that this gospel of the kingdom, this gospel of the kingdom shall be, shall be proclaimed in all nations, to all ethnic, to all people groups, and then shall the end come. Now think with me for a moment. I'm so tired of hearing people post, well, the church has been driven underground. I don't know where you're living in, or what country you're living in, but the church hasn't been driven underground. It's been driven into the cloud. <laughs> I said, it's not been driven underground. It's been driven into the cloud. And there's more gospel being preached today than there ever has in the history of mankind. And it's flying everywhere and everyone has access. And what if this were a God-ordained moment to allow this to happen, to put the church back in the forefront, to take the gospel to all the nations of the world. Then let's celebrate that and let's do it to the best of our ability because this gospel will be preached in all nations. That's prophecy you can hang your hat on. That's prophecy you can live by. And let's put our energy there, not worrying, is the Antichrist going to get me? I'm not worried about that. I'm telling you, I've got a message to take to the nations. And we've got more opportunity now than we've ever had. Glory to God and the Lamb forever. Somebody say amen at home. I can almost hear you. That's where it matters. Proclaim it. Proclaim his promise. Don't get caught up in the, in the falderall. Second, trust in his provision. He says to them, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. He went ahead of the disciples. Why does that matter? I've often wondered, why is that written in there? And I don't know why. I've never seen this before. Probably all of you and all of you that are watching online, wherever you are, have always seen this and always got this. I didn't see it till this week. I just thought he's telling them where to go, go, go to uh, Galilee. And then I found this in Matthew 26. Jesus told them this very night, you will all fall away on account of me for it is written. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this very night before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. And we get all wrapped up in that story that we missed the first part of that before he was crucified. He said, after all this happens and you're all scattered, I want you to remember where I'll be. I'm going to Galilee. Do you know what he's telling them? I'm going to rise from the dead. This isn't the end of the story. It's almost as though he's saying there was a pause button, but now there's going to be a day that the pause is over, and I'm going to go ahead of you. You see, the principle of Scripture is that Jesus is always first. He always goes ahead of us. There's nowhere you will go that he'll say, I don't know where you are, and I don't know how you got there. We miss the prophecy and the drama of denial, but Jesus is saying, listen, I'm going to pick up right where I left off. There'll be a pause, and I'll be buried in the sepulcher, and then I will rise from the dead, and I will continue to lead the way. He goes ahead of us. He doesn't follow from behind, driving us from the back seat, giving us instructions on which way to go. He's leading us in the way. And he's saying, the angel says, go tell them that I'm going ahead of you. He won't send you where he won't lead you. And so anywhere, watch, anywhere you're going, anywhere you're going to tell the story, he will already be there. I said, anywhere you go to tell the story, he will already be there. He's going ahead of you. If you want to talk to one of your friends, neighbor, talk to someone online, when you go to talk to them, 
You don't have to ask him to join you. He will already be there because he's going ahead of you. Well, what if he's not there? Listen, if you have any sense of an indication to talk to them, he's already gone ahead of you. He's already done a work. This idea didn't come from you. It came from him, and he's ahead of you. And when you want to follow him, when you tell the message, he is on the road ahead of you. We're, when we go to tell the story, what are we doing? We're going where he already is. I told this story often, and um, I just love telling the story, so I'm going to tell it again in case you haven't heard it. But I have a friend who's a pastor doing a great work for God that did time in prison for meth uh, possession with intent. So, yes... God can deliver meth addicts and put them in ministry. Hallelujah. Some of you and such were some of you. He can deliver you and set you free. He got out of prison, didn't know what he was going to do with his life. He's standing in his front yard, and a neighbor drove by his house out in the country, as I remember the story, but a neighbor drove by his house. Now watch, this neighbor was going to an evangelism training night. And he'd been there the week before, and the assignment the week before was, before you come back, you have to share the gospel with someone who's not a Christ follower. He saw this addict, prison convict, standing in the front yard, and so he just pulled in, called him by name, and said, hey, I know this is weird, I know this is weird, but I've got to take someone through this plan of salvation and I just, I saw you stand there, and, and I, I need to have my assignment done. Would you let me just tell you the story, and then, and I won't take much time, and I'll be gone. How many of you would agree that doesn't sound very spiritual? That doesn't sound very anointed. Come on, you can help me in here, too. I need your help. How many agree? It doesn't sound very spiritual, very anointed. So he goes through it, and this pastor said, whoo, something smote his heart. Tears started to go down his face. And with what seemed to be an empty, dry presentation, the Spirit of God came alongside and anointed that. And that day, on that driveway, this man gave his life to Jesus, became a new creation in Christ. Why? Because Jesus was already there. The man who was going to share didn't know that. But Jesus goes ahead of us. When we go to tell the story, he goes ahead of us. He goes ahead of us. We're just going where he is. We're going where he is. Then last, we need to rely on his presence. <laughs> uh, this has helped me this week. Quickly go and tell his disciples, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. And there... Are you ready for this? Is anybody ready for this? And there you will see him. And there you will see him. When you obey him, in that place you will see him. Now watch. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That comes without any sense of qualification. He doesn't say go when you feel prompted. He doesn't say go when you have a plan or a strategy. It's just go. And if you want to see him, obey him. When you obey him, you will see him there. All right, let's back up. Go quickly, tell them. Go to Galilee, and there you will see me. When you obey him, you're going to see him. There are people who, um, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, who get, oh, I just don't know that God is, knows where I am. He knows where you are. You're just not willing to go where he is. When you walk in obedience, you're going where he is. When you pay your tithe, you're going where he is. When you walk in obedience, you're going where he is. Do you want to see him? How about trying obedience? 
How about trying obeying him? How about trying to do what he said to do? And in that moment, you will see him. When you obey me, then you will see me there. Obedience always leads to seeing Jesus. And evangelism will always bring a revelation of Jesus. It is as you tell his story that you will see him fresh. Jesus said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Where does he say that? Right after the challenge of the Great Commission. So, so why do people feel like God is for believers? Why do believers feel as though God has forsaken them? Why do believers feel as though that he's lifted his hand from them? It's because we're not, we're not, we're not going where he is. We're not going where he is. If you want to experience him, just begin to tell someone. Proclaim the promise. Begin to tell the story. And he will already have been there because of his foreknowledge, his prevenient grace, his response to us ahead of time. I am with you always. You see, without his presence, we can't do anything. I want to be where the presence is. <laughs> so I have this picture that just flashed in my mind of people that are trying to pray down the glory. Woo! You want to pray down the glory? Go where someone needs to hear about Jesus and watch the glory show up. Watch God reveal himself. We need his presence. We need his direction. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. He delights in his way. I was thinking about the story of Moses going into the promised land. And in Exodus chapter 33, there's a recommissioning. The people have lost their way. They sacrificed the golden calf. All of the disaster that wraps around that has already happened. God says that they're going to go to the promised land, but that he won't go with them. Because you're so stiff-necked, if I go with you, I'll have to kill you. It's in Exodus 33. You can read it for yourself. It's what he says. And Moses begins to intercede as Israel repents. Now watch. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Wouldn't you love to have that relationship with God? Spoke to Moses as a man speaks to his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. And Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have, and I found, and you have found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. When God's ready to write them off, remember, this nation is your people. Now watch, here's the prayer that needs to capture the church today. The Lord replied, this is, this is what we need to hear him say and need to understand. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and all your people from all the other peoples of the face of the earth? Did you hear that? What else would distinguish us from all the peoples on the face of the earth? It's the presence of God. Where's the presence of God? When you're in obedience, proclaiming his truth, talking to a lost and dying world. And as Moses says, that's the only thing that makes us different. Then the Lord says, whew. Then the Lord says to Mo Moses, I will do I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. When Moses said, don't send us if you're not going with us, without your glory, there's nothing we have to offer. 
God immediately responds after saying, it's a stiff-necked people. If I go with them, I'll kill them. And Moses says, no, if you don't go with us, we can't go. And God immediately responds, I've heard you, and I'll go with you. I'm telling you, anytime you ask for his presence to go with you, he will. He will go with you. And then Moses says, now, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. I'm telling you, church, we're living in a time that we need his glory. When we proclaim his name, he goes with us and is before us. But it is the presence of God that is our distinguishing mark. Fear not. Come see. Go tell. That's the challenge of the resurrection. I'm going to say it again because that's the challenge of the resurrection that we would fear not, come and see, go and tell, and we'll change the nations. So my question to you that are watching right now is will you rise to the challenge? Will you rise to the challenge? Will you own the challenge? Will you walk forward in the challenge? If you're watching somewhere right now and you've never made a commitment of your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to take you back to those ABCs. It's that simple. Admit your need of Jesus. Believe in your heart that he died on the cross for you and confess him as your Lord and Savior and he will change your life. For the rest of us, it's interesting that the National Association of Evangelicals has launched a campaign for May of this year called Go 2020. It's built around three concepts, prayer, care, and share. Pray for your neighbors, do something caring for them, and share the gospel with them. And you can say, well, we're in quarantine. We can't do that. The power of God has never been stopped by the walls of the enemy. And balancing out what I said about maybe God allowed this for such a time as this, Coronavirus is not God's servant. It's not his friend. It's his enemy. Sickness is the enemy of God. But in the midst of the darkness, he does powerful things. Are you willing? Are you willing to rise up and go tell? Telling the story of Jesus. I want you to take just a moment. And here's how I want us to pray. God, Restore your presence to our lives and help us go where you're sending. Help us go to a lost and dying world. Help us obey that great commission. Would you put a fervency and an urgency in us, particularly in this time of pandemic? Somebody's tomorrow will never come. They only have today. Will you?
would you do something supernatural in our lives right now? I ask for your presence to come in such a powerful way that it rekindles a, a fire of evangelism in each of our hearts, that we'd use this time of pandemic to be a time of proclamation, that you are still healer, deliverer, baptizer, that you're our king. Bring someone across our path in the next seven days. But ask those you will to pray this with me. God, bring someone across our path in the next seven days that we can talk to you, talk to them about you. We ask that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Virtual hug, virtual hug, virtual hug. God bless you. Keep praying. We're praying for you. Be blessed. Hey, Berean, just want to uh, encourage you this morning that God is able and that he is faithful. I hope that you were encouraged by Pastor Gary's message and that God spoke to you in a unique way like only he can do. If you are new here this morning, just want to remind you again to head over to BereanHub.com and fill out the Connect card there. Let us know what's happening in your life as well as while you're there. You can also go there to the Prayer and Praise card and fill that out if you have a prayer request or just a crazy cool God story. We want to hear about it. Just want to say thanks for joining us. Um, this morning, and uh, make sure you head over to our, our BereanHub.com and click on the virtual church and stay connected to our midweek things that are happening. Hey, we love you, and uh, so glad you're here this morning. Peace out.